Hey, welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today I have podcast host, entrepreneur, and coach Shannon Russell joining the show. Shannon, welcome to the John Papaloni Show. Thank you, John. So happy to be here. I've been uh, super delighted, excited. I love doing these things and I'm excited to hear your story. So I usually start off the podcast with asking you a bit of your biography of who you are, what you do, why you do it and how you got there. Sure. Okay. Well, I have been a television producer for about 16 years and then I decided that I needed a little bit of a change. So um, at that point, I had had two little babies, two little kids, and I decided to open my own business. Um, and I opened a Snapology franchise. So I now teach STEM education to kids, um, and it's been fantastic. It's been about six years. So um, I can do that. I can be a mom of two little boys. Um, and then just within the past six months or so, I opened Second Act Success, so my second business. And that is where I coach other women, you know, men, to figure out their second act. Um, just like I went from television producer to business owner, I want to help other people kind of figure out their path so that they can find their second act. And I have my podcast, Second Act Success, as well, where we, um, where I get to talk to people who have done that and share their inspiring stories in the hopes of inspiring more people to figure out what they really want to do instead of being stuck in the mundane. Right. Now, again, you said you left television, right? Yes. So to some degree, I'm wondering, why would you leave television? That's the question I get asked all the time. And one of the reasons I started Second Act Success. Um, so I love television. It was my dream job. I started working at MTV right out of college, which was my dream. Um, worked in New York City, moved to Los Angeles, worked on everything from entertainment news to reality TV to live red carpets. And just it was a dream. It was my my dream job. I made some of my best friends there. Um, but when I had my first son, uh, we were living in LA and we were the first to have kids in our group of friends. So we kind of went from going out seven nights a week to, okay, we have this baby and our friends kind of disappeared on us and we were alone and it was really, really tricky. Um, I decided I didn't want to go back to the show, to the company that I was at. I wanted to be with my son. Um, and then I had a little bit of postpartum depression and decided that I needed a group of, of family and friends around us that we really just didn't have in Los Angeles. So when my son was six months old, we moved back to the East Coast to be closer to my family in New Jersey. And my husband is a television producer as well. So we ended up both commuting to New York City and working there. Um, and then when I had my second son, I had kind of this moment where I said, I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't filling me up anymore. I was more stressed about having to go interview these celebrities and running around Manhattan because I knew I had to get to daycare about two hours away with all my commuting of the subway and the you know buses and everything. And that stress just kind of took over and made my job not as fun anymore, I guess. Um, and my priorities just shifted and I wanted to be there for my son and I was pregnant at the time and knew that it was only going to get harder um, because as a producer, you work really long hours, you travel quite a bit. And as much as it's amazing and fun, it just, for me, it just changed when I had my boys. And, and then when I um, was on my maternity leave, the show I was working on got canceled. 
And I kind of took that as a sign of like, okay, I can go look for another job in TV or I can figure out what else I can do that will, I guess, fulfill me and allow me to be the mom that I wanted to be. And that's right. What I chose. Yeah. That's awesome. And now let me ask you something. If it's not too personal, you don't have to answer this. What show was it that got canceled? Oh, it was. So I was doing a lot of entertainment news at the time. Um, and I was at Pop Sugar, which is like a lifestyle brand online. So um, it's a website and we were doing um, Pop Sugar Now, I think it was called. So it was like a daily entertainment news show. So it just ah. didn't get picked up. Yeah. So it wasn't anything super big, but it was it was super, super fun. And we were interviewing celebrities and different cool brands around Manhattan. Um, but yeah, so it didn't get picked up. And that was just like, eye opener, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. You know, yeah. uh, you know how they say curiosity killed the cat? Yes. Well, I'd be the cat and I'm glad I didn't kill this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. I'm a curious person by nature. So that's why I was asking. Oh, ask away, of course. But uh, with that being said, I mean, like normally, I would, you know, like I would, when people tell me their stories, I would say, hey, you know, well, that doesn't sound like something you would have planned as a child growing up. And, you, you know, what I mean, but in your case, you know, there's three professions that people, you know, talk about as a child. Um, one is going to be doctor, two is going to be lawyer and three, I'm going to be on TV. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. So it is a possibility that you wanted to be on TV as a child. <laughs> yes, Actually I did. I did. I wanted to be an actress. I made a bank. I think I was three years old and it was called the California bank. And my parents, it was like an old chip container or something. And I put foil around it and stickers. And anytime I would get money, I'd put it in there because I was moving to California. And I moved, I ended up moving when I was 23, 24. Um, I did not go into acting, but I had discovered the, the backside of the camera and became a producer. Right. That makes sense. Now, yeah. <laughs> that's funny how you got into the back of the camera because you were trying to get in front of the camera. And now we're even on a podcast. So in some sense, you're in front of the camera now. I know. Weird, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like growing up, I never thought about TV I, other than watching it. Um, it's one of those things that my dream was to be on radio. I mean, that's why I got into DJing and uh, stuff like that. And then it was not even for the music or the records. I couldn't care less about that. Although I did enjoy it. I'm not going to lie. But it was one of those things that I wanted to get recognized so I could take a different path on getting on air and somewhat it worked. Yeah. Um, and I got on air uh, from the nightclubs. So I'm not complaining about it. It was a great experience, but I didn't think of myself as being on camera. So now if you think about it, going with the podcast in general, it's usually just audio. Now in the first, uh, I would say 15 episodes, my podcast was just audio. Right. But somehow I got video involved. I don't know how. I don't know why. And I just started with a video and it became the like, okay, just don't look at yourself. Just don't look, just don't look, just record, <laughs> post it. And then, and, and don't look at it. Don't right. Look, you know, yeah. avoid all uh, forms of awkwardness and stuff. And now it's one of those things that sometimes I got five cameras on me and it's like, I, I even forget that it's on. Right. You know and I mean? you're so used to it now. Right. Yeah, exactly. So it's hilarious, right? Like, and now I talk about cameras. I've got probably one of the most expensive cameras that I'm on right now. Like, nice. I mean, I spent like 7,000 bucks on this camera, just the one of mine. And I, like I said, I've got three going on me sometimes. Wow. Yeah. So maybe you should think, think about being on camera now, you know? Oh, I love it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's so amazing how that happens. Isn't it but, funny? 
My podcast is still audio only. I know I'm going to switch over to video maybe in the fall, but right now I'm still just doing the audio aspect because I have to get used to myself being in front of the camera. I'm not, I'm not used to that. It's true though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, but I mean, it, it, life is an adventure and it's wild, right? Yes. I love it. Like, and that's what it's about. It's about the process. If you don't like the process, then you're doing the wrong thing. Thousand percent. I, I love that things, especially in our industry now, is is different every day. We get to talk to different people every day, and that's what makes it exciting. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Again, everything's about people, and it seems every interview I get into, that's what it seems to be about. Yeah. I've I've asked so many questions, and nobody ever said, "Oh, I love the money, and I love the materials I can buy." Oh my God, I would have never got the Ferrari if it wasn't for this. And you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, like when you ask something, "What was your motivation?" Sometimes they say, "Oh, I wanted a Ferrari." But then it usually ends with, well, now I can afford the Ferrari, but I don't care about it anymore. Right. <laughs> like, so, and that usually ends up being the common story. Yep, good point. Uh, so, yeah, because it's all about the, the people. It's about the, the process. It's about what you can do to better tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Right? So I love it. Yes. And, 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 you know, it's a great journey. So I agree. Yep, absolutely. So with that being said, I mean, you're running multiple businesses. Why? Well, um, Snapology has been amazing. So that is what, you know, really provides, I guess, for my family. Um, it's been about six years and it kind of, um, I don't want to say it runs itself. I have an amazing, amazing team. And just this year, I've been able to step back and have my manager run things. And I'm still very much involved, but I'm taking a step back to focus on the other business. Um, but I love Snapology. And honestly, it, it we teach children. So I feel like I am doing good for the community that my children live in, that my family lives in. We're teaching kids robotics and Lego building and how to think like an engineer and just really valuable skills that will hopefully they will take through their lives. So I feel like we're really serving the community and I have a great group of teachers and who really feel so strongly about our mission with Snapology. Um, so I don't want to give that up. That is just a wonderful part of my life. Um, my kids can come with me and it's, it's five minutes away from my home. So it just fits really well with our lifestyle. Um, my husband is still a television producer, so he can travel. He can do the, um, you know, the crazy lifestyle and I can be here running the businesses. Um, but to start second act success was another mission of just really wanting to help others figure out what I figured out on my own. And it was kind of like your question to me, why would you leave this job to be at home in the suburbs and work at a, a children's STEM center? Um, and I kept getting that question from friends in the community, from friends in the entertainment industry, from family members, you know, why would you leave this big paycheck in this exciting kind of life? But it was, it was priorities changing. And now the People that I coach, um, friends of mine that come to me when their time is right and say, all right, my priorities are now shifting. And what should I do? Because I need this paycheck. I want to be fulfilled. I want to be happy. I don't know how to get there. And so I'm able to help them and inspire people and say, you can, you can do this. You can figure it out. There's a roadmap you can follow to kind of find all the pieces to make you happy. Um, money-wise, health-wise, family-wise. Um, so I just want to be able to help people because I was quite alone when I was figuring it out. Which makes sense. And that's the thing, right? Like one of the questions, uh, uh, the reason I asked that question is because let's be honest, people kill to be in that industry and you had it coming to you 
for lack of a better description. Right. So then just walking away and it's like, wait a minute, you got the dream and you walked away. Now, also, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And I was going to say also when you were getting into it, I, I, I could sense that whole mom guilt and I'm sensing that you have that sometimes. Yes, definitely. And that was definitely what kind of sparked it. But I always um, like to say that I'm still that person. I can go back and produce tomorrow if I want to. Most of my best friends are still in the industry or in some way, shape or form. So I always like to say that if you do change careers and start a second act, you're still that same person. And a lot of people, I think, in jobs that might be a little bit more high profile than others, they hold a lot of themselves to the job. And it can be a little ego triggering, I guess, of saying, you know, who am I if I'm not in that role? And I wanted, I didn't really feel that way. I felt like, hey, I accomplished this dream. I, I had this wonderful career and I'm just taking a break from it to try something different. And it's also like I'm now having two dream jobs or even three with my new business. You know, it's like I'm able to do everything that I've wanted to do. And that's what I think we should all strive for. So to maybe not um, hold yourself in the same regard as, as what you do for a living, but more about who you are overall, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And you yeah. have uh, what I call self-awareness. You were there to realize what was important to you and you weren't going to let external factors, you know, direct you to places you didn't want to be or no longer fit your needs. Yes. And that takes a while to figure out. And it definitely took time for me to figure out, but um again, with priorities changing and you just say, all right, well, this is my life at this point. <laughs> you know, this is the direction. For sure. Now that's the other thing, right? Like your clientele is predominantly women. Predominantly. Yes. Right. Like, was that a conscious choice or is that something that sort of just happened? It was, it was. And I want to say that, you know, my podcast, my business is open to everyone. I do have men who guests on my podcast and share their stories, but to me, and just the, the friends and women that were coming to me or clients that were coming to me were mostly women. And mostly, I feel like a lot of people kind of, at least in my experience, have this need for a second act when family does come to them. Not everyone. But, you know, when you start having children, your priorities start shifting. And so I saw kind of a need to help those women out who feel that mom guilt, like you just mentioned, and kind of know that they need to be doing this, but that fear of missing out on, um, you know, parties at school for the kids or taking them to dance classes. And um, I had a, a, a friend of mine tell me that she had to miss out on her son's or, or her daughter's first Halloween trick-or-treating. And, and these things stick to you and I think help you reprioritize. Um, for some people, not for everyone, but for people who do feel like they're being stretched a little too thin and they need a change, um, I just felt like more women were coming to me with those those issues. So that's why I chose to focus a little bit more on them. That makes sense. I, I get that part. I mean, I guess it's one of those things that because, you know, people let's let's be honest, right? Guys tend to try to portray that image of uh you know, like a rock force, they're going to do what they need to do. And, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes I think men are willing to push more towards things they're not unhappy because they feel they have to. And I'm not saying women don't go through that. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is women are generally more nurturing, especially when it comes to family. And they're willing to sacrifice more 
to make that happen. Yes, I think you're right. I remember missing my son's, my first son's very first birthday because I had to go shoot a, a show for MTV at South by Southwest, which people would be like, whoa, that's awesome. You get to go. No, I, I remember sitting there being out to drinks with my crew and just thinking, I'm not there to celebrate his first birthday. And everyone kept saying, oh, he's not going to remember. But it wasn't the point for me. I remembered. And um, I guess that was kind of one of those, maybe that was one of the first moments where I started thinking like, okay, I don't know how much longer I can do this. Um, and my husband's had to miss things with the kids as well. And he definitely hates that, of course. But um, for some reason, I feel like there's definitely mom guilt and a little bit less dad guilt sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's exactly the kind of thing I was describing. Yes. You just did it better than I did. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I was just using an example. <laughs> So yeah, with um, with that being said, now like no, nothing comes with ease. I mean, you started a business, and I'm sure you didn't just open up the door, turn around, and go, "Oh God, there's a thousand people. I can't handle this. What do I do?" Right? We all it's up and down, right? Like, and, and I'm sure there was turbulent times where you started thinking, "Why am I doing this? What was I doing? What was I thinking?" You know what I mean? And and then you overcame that. So what was that moment for you and how did you overcome it? Well, for Snapology, it was really, I had gone through a couple different things. I had taken a kind of nine to five office job nearby and that was, I hated every second of it. It was not for me. Um, then I decided, oh, grad school, I'll go to, I, I'm a good student. I'll go back to school. I'll be a teacher. And I got almost through the whole program. It was an online program I was doing uh, evenings. And I said, I don't want to be in the classroom. I just, I, this isn't me. So once I realized, okay, I need to open my own business, it was kind of like a little sign from God, a, epiphany that I had. And I started researching. I said, oh, my son likes to build a lot. He loves to think and create with Legos. And I started researching, how do I open a STEM center? It was something kind of new at that. This was about six years ago. And I found Snapology online. It's a franchise. And I said, you know what? That might be the best way for me to ease into entrepreneurship by buying into a franchise. My husband thought I was crazy, um, absolutely crazy. Um, but he came with me. We went to Pittsburgh where the CEO and the founders of Snapology are. And we had a day where we saw their business. And on the drive back, I was like, this is it. I feel like this is what we should do. And he was on board. And then it was the planning of starting and no one in New Jersey knew. And this was a very small franchise at the time. It's grown significantly since, um, but no one knew Snapology in the entire state of New Jersey. And I was sitting here going, okay, how do I promote this? And it was just boots on the ground running me by myself, no one else. And I was emailing people and signing up for tables at local community events to say, hey, this is what we're doing. Um, starting classes, I was I didn't have a store at the time. I didn't have a brick and mortar. I was what we considered, considered a mobile business. So we worked out of my home. I would rent space at local um, recreation centers and libraries, and I would hold classes there to teach kids. And it was me by myself hoping people would come. But it, they did come, and it just slowly started growing. And, um, I guess I knew a lot of, you know, PR marketing from television and I just knew how to, you know, talk to people and pitch this idea. And people were like, okay, this is awesome. We don't have anything like this here. Um, and it started growing. So it taught me a lot about just community involvement and marketing and 
being confident in the business I was starting. And I think my confidence um, showed and, and we did end up growing and people took a chance on the program. And a couple of years later, I opened our brick and mortar and it's been amazing. Um, we had to turn people away at our grand opening and things have just been on a complete amazing ride since. Right. So that's awesome. Now here, that's the thing, right? How long have you been in the business so far? It's six years this summer. Um, so we had about two years of just working out of my house. My staff would come to my house and get materials and go teach classes in random locations. And then we decided to open up the brick and mortar, which has been amazing. And now we do classes, camps, parties at my center, but we also go out into the community. Um, and I've expanded. I've bought extra territories. So I own like an entire county because um, with franchises, you have to own a certain territory. Um, so I own a pretty pretty large area here. Um, and we're able to service, um, we go into different schools and it's just grown exponentially um, since then. So now we're in a really good place. Right. So you mean you didn't just put up an Instagram post, wonder why it didn't work and then decide you might want to close after three months. You know, it's been a whole six years. <laughs> yeah, John, I didn't even know how to promote. I wasn't big on social media. I didn't know how to promote things. on. I mean, it was just a learning curve. It was it was a lot of just self-teaching, you know, and, and having the support of the franchise system to help me, but just really, okay, I guess I have to post what I'm doing in these classes so people see, you know, it's just a lot of learning. But that's those things I've learned have helped me so much with my second business, which has been, you know, great, great to have that education to lead me into this. Yeah, for sure. You like you figured it out, right? Which is what, what most entrepreneurs have to do. And that's that's the whole point. Entrepreneurship isn't just about saying I'm open. You're the problem solver. You're the one who figures it out. And then you lead other people yeah. through your experience of figuring it out. Yeah. Now, with that being said, like you went into a franchise, you knew that was it. And like what was the enticement to do franchise over just independent doing something, you know, because sometimes you can see what people are doing, replicate something similar and do it on your own yeah. without the franchise model. Like what was the incentive to go franchise? Because let's be honest, sometimes franchise getting into the franchise is very difficult and a mission in itself. Very true. That's a great question because um, I think because I started researching doing it on myself on my own and I realized I'm not, an entrepreneur, like I'm not a business owner. I have worked for other companies and been given the tools to do my job. So for me, this was the perfect way of getting into it and having a group of people to help guide me. Um, because otherwise I think I, I don't know if I would have been as successful without having the corporate team and these people to lean on and other franchise owners in Snapology to talk to. So that was all really helpful. Um, now, in this day and age, six years later and two businesses later, I could open my own business a thousand percent on my own from scratch. But then I, as confident of a person as I am, I don't think I would have been able to do it or do it as successfully. Um, they had the marketing, marketing materials. They had the curriculum ready. I wasn't writing curriculum. I was adapting it to what I found, but it really, it wasn't amazing or is an amazing franchise because it's smaller than say a McDonald's, you know, and you have a lot of your own, um, I guess, creative input. So I'm still, I might take their marketing materials and tweak it because it's more my style or I can take the programs that they create, but say, Oh, I think my students would like it better this way. So I still have that um, autonomy to kind of 
build the business on my own, but to have that back structure to support me. See, that's interesting because most franchises will not allow you to alter their program in any shape or way. It's sort of like it's almost like their recipe in a sense. So that was interesting. I mean, is there any restrictions that you've come across where it has hindered something that you wanted? Um, it's definitely changed in six years as they've gotten a little bit more um, popular and expanded. Now we're international and there's a lot more, fran you know, Snapology franchises. Um, and now it's a little bit more, there's a lot more rules in place. I think I got in at a really good time to kind of form my own business within the business. And now there's um, restrictions for sure about, you know, if you get an offer that's outside your territory, you're absolutely not allowed to service them, which is a really hard thing because you don't want to turn down business. Um, and I'm a people pleaser. I always want to say, yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. Um, so that's the biggest restriction I think I've seen. Um, but for the most part, it's just fantastic. And I still have the creative, you know, um, autonomy to kind of do what I want that my team and I, after six years, we know our, our customers and our kids really well and what they want. And we're able to service them in our, the best way we see fit. Right. See, that's the thing. You just said something. You're a people pleaser. And now I am certain that that has been, you know, has worked against you for lack of a better term. Can you, do you have any uh, examples of how, you know, that has pretty much been an obstacle for you or how has helped you? That's a really good question because you're right. I'm, I, I said that with such um, almost pride that I was a people pleaser, but it's not what I meant in the sense because I'm definitely working to, to not be so much that people pleaser. I've been a people pleaser my entire life. Like I've been told I say please and thank you too much. Like I'm just that kind of a person. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to, especially as a, a female business owner, um, there have been a lot of times where, um, you know, you, you have to step up to the plate and really, you know, kind of hot, tuck that away, um, tuck the politeness away, tuck the people pleasing away so that you can stand your ground. Um, and I've been learning to do that a lot more. I think people pleasing in that business um, has meant I'm so much of the face of the business that people will email me directly and say, okay, you know, can you get my son into this class, which I absolutely love. But as we get bigger, I have to turn things over to my team. So taking a step back and really saying I have to work on the business instead of in the business has been a real big life lesson for me to say, I might not be able to give you that one-on-one -on -one, um, service myself, but I have this amazing capable team that you know that can do that. So just kind of stepping back, pushing some of the customers that like just talking to me to my team has been um, kind of my first forte in, in, in trying to people please a little bit less um, because it can, it can hurt you when all of a sudden you're not able to be there. I'm not able to, I don't teach all of my classes anymore. And there's definitely people who say, well, why aren't you here at my child's school? I can't be everywhere. Um, so I think for people to kind of understand when, you know, the leader of the business has to change their roles. Um, that's been a big thing for me to try to overcome that and know that I can still make them happy. It's just not in the way that they might want. Right. Well, it goes back to what you said. You cannot be everywhere and everything to everybody. And a certain point in time, your business outgrows what you're personally able to handle. Yeah. So if you're working in your business, you just feel like you're suffocating. And eventually something that you're good at, 
you end up being not good at and it's not your fault. Well, it is because you allow it, but not your fault in the way that when you become so overwhelmed, something's got to give and it's usually the customer service end of it that ends up giving because then you start building up resentment. Yeah. And you don't want, yeah. And you, and you want to, I mean, so many of my customers have become friends of mine, you know, cause I've worked with their kids for six years now and now we're friends and which is wonderful, but now it's like, okay, I'll get to you, you know, but it might not be immediately or it might be someone else reaching back out. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's changing, um, changing hands because it's that saying of, you know, if you want to grow the business, you can't grow it. If you're in the day to day, if you're, and I'm all about taking the trash out and cleaning the bathrooms and doing all of the things that need to be done, but I can't grow the business if I'm doing those day-to-day things, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So now you're in, you built those business, it's starting to work on the business. It's starting to basically scale with your team yeah. versus just you. Yes. And with that being said, obviously that's been a lot of positive things that ha- has happened over this period of time. Yes. So another thing I like to ask is we all have that aha moment where that anxiety and stress of, is this going to work? And what am I, you know, what happens if it doesn't? And, you know, I might have to do something else and look at everything I might have lost. And, you know, like you just got that overwhelm and then all of a sudden you just get, aha, okay, I, I'm where I'm supposed to be. This is happening. Wow. I'm, I'm a little shocked and I'm a, like, and you know, cloud nine here <laughs> because I got that moment that I realized it's where, where everything's supposed to be. What was that aha moment for you? That was easy. I mean, with COVID that as everyone struggled, um, I mean, it was touch and go to know if we would survive and our corporate office for Snapology developed virtual curriculum and we were able to serve our customers and teach our kids. And it was just wonderful. So when we kind of got through the first year or so of really tough COVID um, life, um, I was so proud after it was actually after last summer's we have summer camps all summer after last summer, I was like, we've done it. We've survived two summers of COVID business is booming. We're, we're getting back to the good times. Everything's really looking good. And one of my closest friends from Snapology, he owns um, a very successful Snapology in Minneapolis. And he, we talk all the time and he said, you need to have someone running this. You need to have a manager. And I was like, I don't know if I can afford that, you know, going back and forth. And I just said, I'm doing it. And I hired one of my very close friends who has been a teacher with me for about four years now. And I just said, would you want to kind of manage the center and let me take a little bit of a step back? And she said, absolutely. I love this business. I love what we do. Yes. And that was in September of 2021. And with that, I just felt that aha moment of like, I've I've built this business to a point where I can step back. And it was so wonderful. I all of a sudden wasn't working weekends. I wasn't having to go in the office. Um, If I was, we were just chatting and hanging out. And it wasn't this stress that you were were talking about. It was definitely an aha moment of like hiring someone to take the day-to-day away was the best thing I could have done. And she is amazing and such a good friend of mine that it was – just it kind of all all the signs kind of aligned and i said okay i step back i can work on what i've been wanting to do for a few years now i'm going to start 
my second business and start Second Act Success. And I thank this person every day because if she did not help me and say, yes, I'll take this management position on, I would never have been able to start my second business. So that was my aha moment. Which is awesome. You know, congrats to you on that one. Thank you. It was scary, but. <laughs> For sure. I mean, but all things that are worth it come behind fear. Yep. So, so true. That is great. So now you start up the second business and walk us through how that worked out. How did you start? How did you build? How did, um, you know, how did you get to that next level? Well, I took the idea of really just wanting to inspire others to start over and not have that fear that's keeping them in a job that they might not be excited about. Um, my dad has always taught me that you should be excited to go to work every day, but it's rare. He loved his job and he worked for the electric company. He didn't have some very super crazy, exciting job, but he loved it every day until he retired. And I knew that, that was rare, but I, I had that since the day I left college and I was very fortunate and I just feel like everyone should feel that happy when they wake up in the morning to go do something that they like. And trust me, I've had plenty of days where I did not like the project I was working on or um, the, the company I was working for at the time, but overall I was happy with what I was doing. So I wanted to help people who were stuck and knew that they could do something else, but they didn't know what it was or how to get there. And so this has been lingering for a while as I help friends and help people who just asked me advice personally. And I was like, I want to start a podcast because podcasts have been something that I, ever since I started my business, my first business, I've been listening to entrepreneur podcasts and the I just am obsessed with them because I get so much knowledge from them and I just find it to be something that is my escape, you know, when I'm cleaning or when I'm driving. Um, so it was important to me to be able to reach people in their ear um, like I had always had that kind of, you know, those coaches uh, via podcasts. And We're, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, right, right. I'm just agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah, because it really is, right? I'm sure you're obsessed with listening to a million other podcasts <laughs> other than your your own. Yeah, well, I mean, you had to point out my ego that, to tell everyone that I listen to my own podcast. And I'm just joking. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> you know what? It's so um, it's just so easy to listen anywhere you go. So I feel like I always have my earbuds in. I'm always listening. And so I was like, I'm going to do this. I have no idea how to do it, but I'm going to. So I actually took a program to teach me how to basically get my podcast running within 90 days. And that really held me accountable. And because I didn't have to be working in the other business as much, I was able to focus on it. I did it and I had my podcast up within, I think, less than 90. It was about 60 days. It was, I had my first episode up and I had a list and I still do of, of people that I am about to interview that have these incredible stories that they want to share of how they transition from one job to another to find their true happiness. Um, and I'm just so excited to be able to share these stories. Um, and aside from the podcast, just building, you know, writing the blogs about different advice based on what my guest that week is talking about. Um, this week, our amazing guest, Renetta Jenick, who is a founder of Foodum, she actually um, talks a lot about going from a corporate job to a startup. So we wrote an incredible blog on, you know, kind of making that kind of transition and giving people advice on how that, how that kind of looks. Um, and then I have the coaching side of it as well, where I can coach people one-on-one -on -one, um, and kind of give them a the little bit of a roadmap on how to 
make that first step into their new life, if you will. Um, and I'm working on a, a digital course that will be out in the fall, which I'm really excited about because that will be kind of a framework for people as well of kind of giving them the steps to move towards. And if they don't know what they want to do, kind of giving them the steps to brainstorm options for them to leave what they're currently doing and, and move on to the next chapter. Fantastic. That's all great work. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, like that's, that's amazing, right? And, and again, you, I can see your vision there. And you just gave everyone the step-by-step -step yeah. process here, right? And then these are how businesses grow, right? It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. And it's through several different repeatable actions that, that you do each and every day, which gives you compound results over time. Right. It's slowly but surely. Um, I mean, I could have done the first episode and no one listened and maybe I would have done another one. But the fact that people were listening saying I can resonate with that story, it made me want to interview more and more people to share their stories because you might not relate to, you know, this week's listener, but maybe you're really going to relate to next week's. So it's just showing people there's different ways. We've had, um, an amazing friend of mine was an actress and she said, okay, I can't do this anymore. And she opened her own wedding planning business. Like so such different extremes or another guest was working in high fashion in New York, like amazing job working in fashion sales, selling $4,000 sweaters. And then she said, I, I can't do it. And she said, I really enjoy the breastfeeding experience. And I want to teach families about um, that experience. And she went back and got a certification to be a lactation consultant. And now she runs her own business, helping families that have newborns, just like really drastically different stories that, you know, even if one person resonates with one story and it helps them move forward, um, then I feel like we've done our job. And every guest is open to say, hey, you can reach out to me. I'll show you how I did it. And I just love that, that it's kind of like women helping women, men, you know, all of us helping each other to kind of figure it out. Yeah, exactly. That, that's, that's it, right? I mean, I've learned and I was like, I'll give you an example. I used to see everything as competition, oh. right? Like, you know, I mean, everyone was a competitor and I had to beat them. It's almost like I got this little thing that I'm just going to beat them down. And you know what? That, it, that showed me that I was the one thing that was holding me back. Because you can grow way quicker and faster if you collaborate with everybody. You know what I mean? With the abundance mindset, you get to learn that there's enough business out there for everybody. Yep. Right? Like, I mean, like, let, let's be honest. Sure, I'll take, I'll take real estate because I'm in the real estate business. I'll take that, uh, you know, uh, as an example. Now, in Toronto, there's 77,000 realtors. Now, for the amount of transactions we have... That, that equates to about 1.1 house per person. Wow. So it sounds like scarcity there. It's like, whoa, we can only get one house. Well, one house pays our realty fees with the commission there, and then which means we, mean, we, make, we make nothing. Now let's look at the stats. 80% of the people do zero sales, zero to one at most, which means 20% are doing the rest of the business. And out of that 20%, 15% are making a living. 5% are making the wealth. And with that being said, where I'm going with this is that it's not like this is a ridiculously hard business that nobody can, you know, do. It's actually stupid easy. 
once you learn it, <laughs> you know, like, and, and the, the difference is between being the 80% or the 20% is that most people won't do the work. Right. And, oh, and that's right. all it takes. And that's why I say there's abundance because right. if you put yourself into that 20% projectile where you're doing the work and you're doing the consistent things day in, day out, and you're building that compound effect, yep. you will be that part of the 20% at some point. Maybe not in the beginning, maybe not in the first six months, but you will get there as long as you keep working at it. And then you can be part of that. And then that being part of that 20% means there's plenty of business for you. You're, you're so right because then you're establishing yourself and people are going to say, hey, John did a great job. I'm going to recommend him. And it just compounds like that too, right? It's like you yes. showing up every day, word of mouth. And yeah, because you, you don't want to get knocked down once and step away. You'll never know what could have been. So you just have to keep at it. For sure. Mm -hmm. Now with your new business and the coaching, because let's be honest, not everybody's coachable. Right. So what is the process of working with you as a coach and how do you know if they're coachable or not? And if they're not, if you don't think that they're a good fit for you, how do you handle that? Well, I'm still new with the one on one coaching, but so far, everyone that I've met with has just said, I'm in a place where I need a change. I have this, you know, these couple of ideas. So really, I don't guarantee that by, you know, next week, they're going to have quit their job and they're making, you know, six figures in this new job, but that we're going to talk about it and talk about ways. It might just be something as simple as, um, you know what, maybe I can go and intern two nights a week at this local restaurant to find out if I want to be a chef, you know, like there's just different ways to kind of look into it before you leave. I always like to say, learn before you leave, because you want to learn, is this really a right fit? What are the priorities that you're looking into? Um, is there a way to start it while you're still working at your other job? So just a lot of ways of kind of looking at the overall picture of what this client is looking to do, what their priorities are. If money is not a factor, if the paycheck's not a factor, then yes, leave that job and work on this full time. For a lot of people, they need their paycheck. They need their nine to five job. So is there a way to side hustle with what it is you want to do and kind of work on it a little bit at night when the kids are asleep? So there's different avenues that maybe my clients haven't looked at yet that we can, you know, that I'm bringing to them and we're just working together. And I'm really big on networking and I find and I'm a connector. I don't, I'm sure you're a connector too, John. Like I just love connecting people and I'm sure you and I will hang up today and be like, Ooh, I have all these people that I can send over to you, John, or vice versa. So I think that by talking, you can say, Hey, I might know someone who I can put you in touch with. So I really look at my network and my client's network to see who can actually help us get you that one step further. So it's been um, a lot of just, talking, working on step-by-step, step. and we've seen a lot of, of success so far. The digital course that I'm in the process of working on right now is going to be more of self-paced because I'm finding that a lot of people come to me saying that they have no time because they're working all day, they have their kids after school. So I'm making more of a self-paced or a hybrid type of course where you can work on it and, and kind of take these little assessments to figure out what you could be doing. 
but there's also live coaching elements where we're going to get together with other students and talk on a live one-on-one coaching and kind of an accountability side. So I'm hoping that that's going to be another option for, you know, to reach more people to really just, even if you don't make the leap, you're thinking about it to know what you're capable of. And that's, I think, the, the biggest obstacle. Right. Now, let me, let me be, let's be honest here, right? That excuse of I don't have the time, like part of my language here or part of my French is absolute bullshit, right? Especially, oh, I have two kids and whatever, blah, 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 because, and I'm not saying that people don't feel overwhelmed, let's be clear, but it is still a feeling of overwhelm, not reality. And my proof to what I'm saying is look at you. You don't not only have one business going, you have two business going. And what, did your kids just disappear? <laughs> no. And I'm like all about the overwhelm. I feel the overwhelm, but it's just, it's just, you know, I also like to say, I don't know um, if this resonates with you or your listeners, but, you know, making my kids know that I love what I do. So it doesn't, they're not sitting here crying when I say, hey, I have to go to my studio and do an interview real quick. They know that I'm loving it and it makes them happy that they see me happy working on these things. And I think that's a way to relieve some of that guilt um, to have that time for yourself. So if you do want to work on this and you've got the kids say, you know what, guys, I'm going to, you watch a show for a half an hour um, or you go play in the backyard for a half an hour. Mommy's going to go listen to this podcast or read this article and give yourself just a little bit of time. And if they know that you're excited about it and it's going to help in the long run, kids are smarter than we give them credit for. And I think they, um, they want to see us happy and um, fulfilled as well, because we'll be better parents because of that. Absolutely. And and that's where I'm going to, like, I think it's important to uh, like, I grew up in an era and I'm sure you grew up in an era where Parents typically had the thought of children as in, you know, they're meant to be seen, not heard. And you know what I mean? Like what they think doesn't matter because the parents are going to do what's best for them. And you know what I mean? Like don't talk unless spoken to, you know, like, and and not necessarily as harsh as I'm making it sound, Yeah. but it was one of those things that we were always kept in the dark, right? Things just happen and we know whatever we need just kind of appeared, right? So. But I don't think that was the right way. Maybe I'm not saying the parents are bad or evil or shame on you. Uh, It's not what I mean. It's just they did the best that they could. And that's what they knew. Right. And people, I think as generations go by, we learn more and more and we try to do better for the next generation and better and better and better. At least that's what I think the ultimate goal is. And with that being said, so now we include them so they can learn I mean, obviously, you're not going to include them in real bad things. I mean, like if you're like, like, there's certain things you do shelter no matter what. True. But showing your happiness, showing your joy, showing what makes you tick and why you do what you do so they can learn the process too can actually benefit them because it can teach them how to think instead of being told what to think. Yeah. I, and I remember that being younger too and just knowing that my dad was working overnight shifts and you know, being sad about it. But if I had known that, hey, by him working this shift, we can go to Disney, you know, like just kind of rationalizing it, I think would have made a difference maybe. And, and I tried to do that. Like, luckily 
my kids can come with me to Snapology and they can play while I do some emails, you know? So I, I, I try to include them in what I'm doing. They know that I have my own podcast and they think it's super cool. And, you know, they'll ask me at dinner time, like, so who did you talk to today? And, you know, so including them, I think it makes it um, more of a family kind of business than just me in a silo. 100%. <laughs> so, and I'll go into what I was saying, like, you know, where I said, you know, it, it's an excuse when people say that they don't have the time and whatever. Yeah. What, what I translate that is, and what I want to do isn't a priority for me to make the time. Right. Or I'm unaware of why it's a, why it's a priority. I am coming up with excuses to shelter my worry. Yep. And prolong it really. I mean, that's yeah. what happens, right? Yeah. Good point. So, but anyways, to each their own, everyone's got to figure it out for themselves. Yep. And sometimes it just means they're not ready. Yep. It, yeah. It's all in the timing, I think, for everyone. For sure. Now, have you ever had a nightmare client and not necessarily evil nightmare, just nightmare where they're just hard to work with? No, not, not with second act success. No. Um, so far, everyone has been, you know, wanting the help and wanting to seek you know, guidance. So I have not, um, there's definitely been some trickier customers and families that I've dealt with um, on the Snapology side, but I think that's more of to be expected with customer service in the service industry. <laughs> well, for sure. And especially when you're dealing with children and parents, because yeah. everyone has a certain expectation and emotions run high and <laughs> exactly, exactly. So awesome. Now there's got to be, you know, moments where you've had impeccable success with clients and what i mean is like i mean like obviously the intent is to have success with all of them but sometimes you feel like um as an example you're gonna get xyz done and this is what you're expecting and then the x you exceed that expectation and they actually ended up doing a you know x a b c d e and f you know what i mean like like the, the turnout was way better than you expected and it's that moment of joy has that happened yet? And what was that like? Um, it's there was one that I'm that came right to my mind where there was um, a client of mine that was actually quite younger than most of my clients. She was in her late twenties, um, which I definitely think your second act success can happen at any time. It can be right out of college where you say, why did I major in that? And now I need to figure out something else. But this particular client was in her late twenties and she was working at like a nine to five marketing job at an office. Um, she realized that marketing was not her passion and it was art. And so we started working through how can we make art into a career? And she didn't want to make art. She just loved art. Um, so what she did is she went to a um, local museum in her town and she became, um, I think it's called a docent. Um, so it's like a volunteer. Um, and she volunteered there on the weekends and she got to learn the process of working at a museum. Um, she gave some tours eventually. And then eventually they hired her to be, um, I think it was in the marketing department is where she ended up. And now she's actually working on the different exhibits. So she started off kind of using her marketing experience from the first job for the first act. Um, and then she got into the marketing side of the museum and then was able to move from there. And now she's working on the exhibits. So I loved that because she used what she knew. She knew where she wanted to go and we worked to get her there in roundabout ways, you know, volunteering on weekends, taking a job that might not have been 
in the art, but it was more in the marketing. So that got her in the door and then she was able to move on. So now she's working on exhibits that are coming in and is super happy. So I, I feel like that was a success that I was very proud of. Absolutely. I love that. That's a great story. And it illustrated another point, right? Because sometimes when people make a change and their attitude ends up becoming, I can't believe I wasted five years on that. But where, I, where, I'm, where I'm going with this is with that story, it shows that it's not necessarily a waste because sometimes you could not get to where you are without the experience of where you were. Yeah. And, and prime example, look at that marketing. Maybe the marketing job from before was not really where she wanted to be, but she gained some transferable experience and skills to go to this new job, which eventually got her to where she wanted to be. Yes. So without that experience, that wouldn't have happened. Yes. And John, I always talk on my podcast about the threads. I always ask people, what is the thread that brought you from you know your first act to your second act? And some people will like sit there and go, oh, but there's always a thread. There's always that thread of like you said, like the marketing experience brought her over or, you know, um, I was producing TV. Now I'm producing my podcast and leading a business. So there's just different threads that you can look back and say, oh, yeah, those skills are always transferable. It's just a matter of figuring out how to use them. And that's really like that's fun. It's like a puzzle to figure out. And it's it's kind of amazing to look back and see how your different parts of your life kind of come together to bring you where you are today. Well, look, absolutely. Like, look, what is a podcast? Audio. What was my biggest joy of my life? DJing. Well, really, because of radio. Yeah. So what is that? Audio. Well, why didn't I like video? Well, because I didn't think I could do the TV part. And now look at me now. I'm on video. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> it all linked together at some point. And you're using your voice. Yeah. Like you're you're taking your skills from radio and you're creating your own show. Like how cool is that? fantastic and i've got full control i'm not yeah. told what i can and can't do i'm not uh told a certain amount of canadian music has to be played <laughs> not that i have anything against canadian music i'm just my point is right, right, that right. when you're in canadian radio you have to follow programs yep we're in this smart space i am the program you could right? stop and play a song right now if you wanted to exactly <laughs> Right, we can even yeah. dance and <laughs> absolutely. I know it's really cool when you stop and think like you're creating this yourself, right? Like props to you. Yeah, thank you, and that and that's exactly yeah. the way I look at it. I, I have the ability to showcase my creativity and my thoughts and my experiences, and it's all my programming. This is what makes this phenomenal, and what makes being in Amer North America. I mean, I'm Canadian, but part of North America. We have the ability to control our destiny should we choose to. And we should choose to. Absolutely. <laughs> so I love it. Yeah. Now, with that being said, obviously, with everything going on, you probably are very scheduled and very uh, well organized or as organized as can be. Mm -hmm. So where I'm going with this is what is your typical week look like or your Monday or in Tuesday and how, how do you get, you know, put that together? Well, every day I just start with the dreaded emails in the morning of just catching up with both, you know, businesses. Um, and then really I have scheduled days where I interview people for my podcast or do podcasts like here with you today. So I have chunks, you know, blocked off for that. I think time blocking is a really big 
tool that I use. Um, and then I make sure on Mondays, I have to make sure that my podcast is ready to, to air because that we launch podcasts on Tuesdays. Um, and you know, really it's like, even on Sundays, I'm doing social media for that week because you're a one man band. Um, so every day kind of has different things. Um, I am focusing more on second act success. Um, so yeah, it's really just time blocking. Um, usually Wednesdays, Thursdays, I'm working on my course that I'm creating. So just kind of knowing that every day is kind of something different. Um, but I'm taking, you know, maybe a whole morning or a whole afternoon to work on one task. Makes sense. Now, I'm going to get down to two last questions before I go into what I call a lightning round, which is just fun information. Sure. So the second last question is, how do you know you've had a successful day? Um, when my inbox, which I know you should not care about your inbox being empty, but when my inbox is pretty clear, I have, um, thanked everyone, you know, from the day before that I've talked to, like I've sent John my, thank you so much for having me email. Um, and I can feel like I'm in a good place as far as correspondence with people. Um, and that I feel like I can look back and say, okay, I accomplished one project for today. Maybe I did all my social media. Maybe I um, wrote the blog for my next podcast. Um, maybe I checked on my camp schedule for Snapology. Um, and then I'm sitting there on the couch with my kids and my husband and my dog uh, watching TV. That's really what sums up the day, I think, for me. Awesome. That's actually a great <laughs> way to look at things. Oh. Now, last question is, how do people find you online? Sure. I have everything on my website, which is um, secondactsuccess.co. And on there, you can see a page all about our podcast. We have all the latest episodes. We have our blog page. We have a newsletter where you can sign up to kind of get the latest of what we're doing each week. Um, the course that I'm working on will be out in the fall. And um, ways to work with me as a client are on the website as well. So secondactsuccess.co. And you can find the podcast, Second Act Success, anywhere you listen to podcasts. That is awesome. I want to say thank you for being on here. And thank we're going to get into the uh, lightning round, which I'm excited. Okay, <laughs> me too. Uh, awesome. So favorite food and why? Pizza, because I'm from New Jersey, half Italian, and I could eat it all day long. Well, hello, pizza. Who cannot eat pizza? <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite vacation spot? Hands down, Hawaii. Ooh, Hawaii. How come? We went there on our honeymoon. Um, and then we just went back this past fall with the kids and they are always already asking when we're going again. It's just a different world. Everyone's happy and it's just beautiful. Awesome. Awesome. I have to check that out. I hear great things about it. Definitely go. I'll give you all the, the fun spots on different islands. Oh, perfect. I will take you <laughs> up on that for sure. Um, favorite podcast. Oh, it's, well, I love listening to you, John, of course. Oh, thank you. Um, and then really, I've listened to Gold Digger, Jenna Kutcher's podcast yes. for years. So I, as much as I have other favorites, I have to, she was like one of the first I ever listened to. And I just look up to her so much. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good podcast. I've listened to it as well. Yeah. Um, favorite book? Oh, right now I'm reading Atomic Habits, which I've heard from so many people. Um and that's really good. I also like um, Finish. That's yep. just, you know, about 
finishing. So yeah, those are two. I've read Atomic Habits and I thought it was very informative, but I'll be honest, I found it hard to read. And that hard isn't understanding it. It was sort of like, it's almost like when you start getting into it, it seems like it's dragging on. Like the yeah. lessons are are valuable, but it, but it's one of those things that I found myself halfway through forcing myself to finish. I can see that. I'm still in the middle of it. And I feel like it's, you know, little digestible bits that you kind of pick up and take, you know, so I, I'm with you on that. But I'm trying yeah. to just absorb everything because I just keep hearing it recommended by so many people. I'm like, okay, there's got to be some good stuff in here that I can soak right. up. Well, it's like I said, I, I, the information is very valuable mm -hmm. and maybe just the way it's told. Like some books I find that you read through and you're going, oh, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. You know, and then the other ones you're like reading and reading and reading. And maybe there's too much information, which is a possibility. And I don't mean pages. I mean, sometimes if you tell somebody three good points, it's easy for them to keep track of it. It's easy for them to follow along. Yeah. But if you start getting to 10 or 15 or 16 or whatever, then it becomes the like, okay, was this the second point? Was this the first point? And next thing you know, it, it sort of becomes difficult. Yeah, it's overwhelming. I find myself taking notes. Like that's how I can like digest it all. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. So that's awesome. And um, favorite hobby? Um, really just walking my dog. I have a chow chow and he's awesome. And we take him on a ton of walks. So it's really kind of like a fun way for us all to hang out in this beautiful weather. So we take him to parks and we take him to the beach um, and just walk around our neighborhood. Fantastic. Last question. Favorite way to spend a weekend? Oh, if I could pick anything, it would be taking probably my dog to the beach. And there's this real, we live on the Jersey shore and there's a really um, cute restaurant that we love to go to and we'll get like a pint of beer and some really good food and our dog can eat and we just sit outside and, just really being with the family. And I love weekends of nothing to do where you can literally just do what you want and relax. Our couch is our happy place. Just sitting on the couch together. <laughs> there we go. I can, I can, I can understand that. Yeah. Awesome. Again, I want to say thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This has been such a wonderful chat. Absolutely. It's one of those things that I feel like I can talk for hours and I realize we don't have hours. I know. So. <laughs> me too. Me too. I'm such a talker. It's been so fun and so it's easy true. to chat with you. Awesome. 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 Maybe again, we'll have to do this again in a year and see where uh, things are. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I wish you the best of luck with everything too. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Okay. Absolutely. If you like what you've seen and you want to see more podcast episodes, subscribe to the link below.